Hello everyone and welcome to episode 311 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we got the full crew here this week kicking things off with, actually let's change it up this week, let's kick it off with Mr. Giggles. Krim, how's it going, how's it going this week? Good morning, Seth. <laughs> uh, Krim had a very, a very funny uh, three eleven joke before the podcast, and that's why we're all we're all giggling. So that was that was very good, Krim. Maybe you'll get a chance at the at the conclusion when we say the episode number again to hear <laughs> yeah. it with the rest of the audience. <laughs> maybe, um, maybe we we also have another co-host, the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going this fine Monday, Richard? Hey, Seth. It is going very well. We have. A lot of news to cover. So much news. We're out of the holidays into the fresh magic new year, officially. The yes. cold new year of magic, if you would. The snow new year. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is a it is a snowy winter in the magic world. Uh, today, it's mostly going to be Kaldheim talk, honestly. We are smack in the middle of spoiler season. We have a ton of Kaldheim cards to talk about, so that's going to be a bulk of the podcast. Also, wanted to briefly mention uh, Arena Mobile news that came out this week, and if we got some time, we'll try to answer some fish mail at the end, but most Mostly Kaldheim spoiler talk for this week, but before we get into that, a quick reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit, and if y'all have ever tried to sell your magic cards, it's a lot of work, it takes a lot of time, you gotta sort everything, you gotta type everything, gotta ship boxes all around the country to a bunch of different vendors, not a really easy or fun process, but Card Conduit is the easiest way to sell your magic cards. And if you're looking to avoid all those hassles and all that time, this new service from the folks over at Card Hoarder will sort grade and sell your magic cards for you. And once your shipment is processed, you'll get the proceeds minus their fee. And right now you can get a 10% discount by heading over to cardconduit.com slash goldfish. So thank you so much to Card Conduit for supporting the show today. And uh, let's talk some magic. Let's talk briefly a Arena Mobile, and then we'll spend the rest of the cast on spoilers. So, Richard, we got an announcement a couple of days ago, a few days ago now. What do we find out about Arena coming to mobile? It's happening. January 28th, two weeks, two weeks from today, they're launching on Android. Just Android. If you have a new Android phone, they list the specs on their website. But basically, we are getting Arena on your phones. Like, we, we were predicting it'll take them forever, that when they said... Uh, you know, Q4, they're really lying. Well, they were actually just a couple days late, and here they are. They're 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 coming out. iOS. So if you own an iPhone, question marks. Uh, they said later. I don't know what later means. Like Mac later when they said Arena <laughs> was available, or like two months later. Not sure. But we are getting mobile uh, with the launch of Caldine. Right. So 28th, Caldine uh, will be out, and then we will be able to play on our phones. And hopefully our phones will not explode. The day after my birthday, <laughs> I'll either have to go buy a new phone or I'll have a sweet <laughs> new uh, <laughs> one way or the other. My phone blows up or I get to play arena wherever I go. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's obviously awesome that it's uh, starting to come to mobile. I'm a little disappointed. I got the iPhone 12 a little bit ago because I got like a free upgrade and I was assuming like it's the newest iPhone. So, of course, I'd be able to play arena once it came to mobile. But looks like I'm going to have to wait a little bit longer. Although Although I'm pretty sure the article does say later this year. So hopefully, fingers crossed that 
iPhone support will not be super far in the distance. Are either of you Android guys? Like, how restrictive are these specs? That's something I was wondering, because I saw people, like, talking about it on Twitter, but I don't really know much about Androids. Is this, like, you gotta have the newest Android that came out in the last, like, six months, the last few years? Do either of you really know? No, no I knows. have <laughs> not used an Android since high school. <laughs> Uh, I, I am, but I've, but that doesn't mean that my phone is current. I have like an iPhone six or something or seven. So I'm being told by the people that, that know me that I should throw my junker away and get a new phone. This looks but, pretty new because I have a pixel four, which is fairly new. Uh, pixel three is the oldest one they support here. Uh, if we look at galaxy, the S 10 is the oldest one they support. So this is a fairly, oh, actually, no, 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 they support S nine. Hmm. So I don't know. I think like like two, three year old phones should be fine, but I don't know. Phones <laughs> are like CPUs. Like the the numbing the, the numbering system just makes zero sense nowadays. You have no idea. If you really want to know, it's a Kirin nine seventy, a Snapdragon eight four five, or an Exynos ninety eight ten. Whatever that means, right? So sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. It seems like last two, three years should be good if you have like, uh, I guess these are flagship phones, right? So not not like, you know, budget phones from two, three years ago, but like mid-range to flagship phones from two, three years ago should be good. But having said that, I don't know, right? I have like a 1080 Ti and Magic Arena like just like goes full blast on my PC. So I have no idea, right? I, I can play any game but Magic Arena on my, on my computer in a reasonable fashion. So hopefully it's more optimized. Um, we'll also see if it runs better on Mac or Android because a lot of times like developers only optimize for one or not the other. And like the game just runs significantly better. Like it may just run on like an iPhone 5 or something. Like who knows? So we'll see how it goes when they release the Mac. Uh, but I'm surprised they didn't go Mac first because there's only like so many iPhones, right? Like there's like 10, maybe 15 models you need to support. There's like a billion Android models you need to support. So it's usually easier to support uh, iPhones. So I'm surprised they went Android first. I'm still very curious how it's going to play. Like there's some pictures, mock, probably mock-ups, I'm assuming, that they don't look too bad, but I'm still very curious. Once you get a big stack or a big board full of tokens or whatever, like how is Arena going to handle that on the tiny screen of a, a mobile device? So I guess I'm going to have to wait a little longer to try it personally, but I, I'm still very, very curious how functional yeah, I mean, it looks be. exactly the same, except the, uh, the character portraits are off to the left, but the battlefield is the same. The hands are in the same position. It's not like... Uh, the H game where they, they shift the hands or, you know, the layout is actually different. The layout looks basically the same, uh, based on the screenshot they shared. Like, who knows what it looks like when it goes live, but, uh, I, I think it will work for like 99% of the cases. Like, how many games do you end up with like 300 things on the battlefield, right? Like, those are very rare. So I think that's the first thing I'm going to try to do on the phone. <laughs> you know that, right? Like, yeah, I'm going to get him and be like, how do I break this? <laughs> and then Krim has a melted phone and he's like, why did my phone melt? I don't know. I don't get phone calls anymore. Actually, my, my keypad doesn't show up either. Does your phone always smell like it's burning? Oh, it doesn't. Oh. Uh. 
Anyway, uh, that's coming soon. We got a we got a couple of weeks to go, and we'll be able to start checking it out. It doesn't seem like you have to do anything for the early access event, as far as like apply to be in a beta or anything. So I'm assuming like if you have one of the proper phones, you can just download it. But they said more info will be coming with the state of the program this month. So we should get more details uh, before the actual release on the 28th. Yeah, so. there's nothing early access about it. It's just anywhere that has Google Play and uh, you have an Android. So it seems like it's just coming to everybody. Huh? Should be interesting at least, but we have a bunch of other stuff to talk about. That was just topic number one. We have... A ridiculous amount of Caldheim cards to talk about. And I gotta say, before we get individu- uh, individual cards, this set looks really sweet. This is, I was expecting a lot out of Caldheim, and so far, it has exceeded my very high expectations. We got like cool creature types. We have some cards with mechanics and abilities we've never even seen before that are really cool. We got sagas. What do you guys think? Like overall, a week ish into spoiler season, hype level up or down now that we've seen a chunk of the set? Oh, uh, if you're talking to me right now, I think Vorinclex has my interests. Tybalt obviously has my interests, but I'm kind of medium. I'm still set on Strixhaven. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already waiting for Strixhaven. So you're t- like, if you're asking me, in my honest opinion, I, I Vorinclex is 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 the only Praetor. Why? But I mean, we have a lot of the set left, right? We have a lot of the set left. So I, I am curious why Vorinclex is there. And and then, uh, but yeah, like Snow being back seems fun and standard. Probably going to be terrible for older formats, but eh, it seems cool. But once again, Strixhaven. And whatnot, because Tybalt is it, Tybalt's been revealed, and he doesn't look like he's getting banned. So I'll wait till the next iteration. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I don't know. I think the set is okay. I think it's the set is very complicated. There are a lot of cards that do a lot of things, and a lot of things we haven't really seen before. So how it plays, I, I don't know. We'll have to actually play it. But so far, the thing that's got my attention the most are the new card styles so the showcase cards uh specifically the art on the showcase cards is pretty sweet and also the phyrexian frame that uh from born clax that krim was talking about uh it looks exactly like the phyrexian elish nord uh which was a huge hit so i really am hyped for those cards as for the power level of the set and what standard will look like i'm not sure there's just so many things happening uh, which we'll talk about in a couple seconds. But yeah, we, we have so many complex mechanics going on. How many Earls and Okos are in here? I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> it does seem like most of the cards have a lot of text on them. And then that doesn't even include how many MDFCs we have. So a lot of cards are also two cards, which means they have a lot of text twice on them. So it is a really, I think, uh, complex set compared to a lot of sets. And it feels like Wizards has kind of, since Ikoria at least, pulled off a lot of the stops as far as trying to tone down complexity. And they're just, like, doing whatever they want to do at this point. And I kind of like it. I don't know how it goes for new players. Maybe new players just, like, play an arena, and arena kind of guides them through it and make sure that they're doing things uh, the right way, and it's fine. But as someone who's played Magic for a while, I'm excited about all these, like, weird mechanics that we haven't seen before really complex cards but uh, i guess we'll have to see how it plays <laughs> all these te- all the text on all these cards oh man i 
I can't read all of this. I don't. I, think, I still learn a new thing about Questing Beast every day. <laughs> I, I think that's true. Currently, right? Does anyone read all the text and cards anymore? <laughs> I just, I just click and find out what happens and see if it works or not. I have a very smooth brain when it comes to this. We're just gonna see what happens, and 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 so now that everything is a texting beast. Oh, I'm gonna misplace so much. <laughs> I'm gonna. I already know it right now. YouTube comments on every video. Of my, you know, it does this, right? You know, because. Oh no, I don't. I don't know that it does that. <laughs> All right, let's let's talk about some individual cards. Richard, guide us through some sweet Caltime spoilers. All right, so uh, let, let's set the record straight. A couple of podcasts ago, we said there was no snow in Caldime because we were misled by wizards. So, Look, the uh, weather channel's been wrong before. Apparently there's right? snow, okay? It's a real thing. <laughs> uh, but basically there was, remember, the pre-con leak, and then there was Fortel in it, and the zero looked like a snow mana symbol. So wizards went on stream and said, hey, we're going to cut this off. It's not a snow mana symbol. It's a zero. Here's the card. Here's Fortel. And we all took that to mean there's no snow. Turns out we're wrong. <laughs> snow we is a major ourselves. theme of the set. Uh, we have <laughs> snow-covered basics, and we have snow-covered dual lands that are fetchable. So they have the basic types, uh, but they enter the battlefield tapped, and they come in as common. So they're guild gates, except they're snow, and then they actually have the types. So for example, we have Sulphurous Mire, that is a snowland swamp mountain. It taps for black and red and enters the battlefield tapped. Uh, so what do you guys think about the return of snow? To standard, to older formats, and uh, these these new snow duels. I think oh. th just throw out your basic lands. Throw out your normal basics. It is over. The era of playing just regular basic lands in Magic, it lasted, what, 20, 26 <laughs> years? It had a good run. <laughs> Toss them out. I think you just always play snow lands now. Like, I think that's where, where we are, uh, and I guess that's fine. Like, it... It sits weird with me to have another type of land that is, I would say, strictly better than basic lands. That's really weird to me, but I don't know. I guess I'll adjust to it. And as far as gameplay is concerned, I don't know. It's not that much different. There's still basic lands. It just allows you to play more cards that you couldn't play if you were not playing Snow Basics. I do think the land cycle is pretty exciting, and I'm kind of shocked it was common. Like, I think that's the most exciting part. We've had a lot of complaints about good lands always being rare and then you end up with $100 Scalding Tarns and $40 you know shock lands at some points this land cycle not even being uncommon is a pretty big deal not just for pauper but just for prices like because these are common they're going to be really cheap and they are fetchable they are far seekable they turn on your snow synergies I think this is on the short list of best common land cycles of all time. I think you can argue that the Karoos or the Bounce Lands from Ravnica might be better. Maybe the original Cycling Lands, if you include those, even though they're not dual lands, but I think this is very top tier as far as common land cycles. Uh, for, for older formats, I think this is better than all the previous uh, mentioned, basically. Because, I mean, we can fetch them. Standard, I mean, I don't know if that matters yet. So, I... I I do think that the Return of Snow is quite interesting. Um, I think in Standard, it's not going to be, like, super broken or anything like that. We don't have uh, Ice Fang Coatl, or, I mean, as of right now, who knows. Uh, but, but yeah, like, I, I think this will be fun to see, like, what it's like in Standard. However, 
I am not. I, I'm. I'm still. I've got my fingers crossed that we've got a snowmageddon or something like that. There's got to be a <laughs> snow check, right? Come on. There's got to be a snow check somewhere. Now, yeah. there's yeah. got to be right. There's, there's not gonna. You know, they're not gonna print snowmageddon, right? <laughs> but like Seth said, like there's just no downside to playing snow now, and like throw away your guild gates, right? Like you never need to play a guild gate ever again because you might as well play this because you can fetch them. Right, so right, mazes and mazes and Richard. Hey, hey, hey. Okay, down. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sure. historic uh, players. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I just so the downside of snow was you didn't have dual lands, right? If you played a snow deck, you, you your lands would tap for one mana, but now you have dual lands, so there's like literally no downside whatsoever. Um, you need Snowmageddon, right, or Snow Blood Moon or Snow Wasteland, but I highly doubt they're gonna print that, and. If they print it, it, like it has to be something at like almost zero cost to you, right? Because it's zero cost for your opponents to play this. So we basically need like a dual, like a, a, a shock land that can tap to destroy a snow land or something, right? So that it also is no <laughs> like cost a, to a, you. A, a dust bowl? A, a snow dust bowl dust that bowl? requires no sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's oh, the big concern here. Like that, this, this bothers me more so in other formats than it does in standard. Uh, the return of snow, but like I, I'm hoping that they because there's no way they don't know that, right? So that means there's got to be that something that punishes, and, and or 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 you know you know what we'll get lava covered basic soon. I don't know because the thing is like I, there has to be something to punish the these like snowlands and all these snow permanents. So I will say in standard, I think it's fine. Like yeah. we have a snowy standard for a couple of years, whatever. Like standard is going to rotate. My concern is more like commander modern formats like that, where we already saw with modern horizons, there's like at this point one playable snow guard and it's ice fang And even that is enough that a meaningful percentage of decks just always run Snowlands, And that's for one card. It only takes one playable card to make it correct to play Snowlands, And I think we're going to see this in Commander now. Like, let me just ask you guys, after Keldheim releases, is there ever any time it would be correct for you to play normal basics in your Commander deck? I don't um, think there is. Like, if, maybe there's some weird, like, extra planner lens and yep. everyone's playing, like, snow, snow, so you, like, jank them out by playing non-snow. <laughs> but, like, outside of those situations, like... It's just always correct, right? Even if you have zero snow payoffs in your deck, just the fact that playing snow lands opens up the possibility that you could have these snow cards. When if you play normal basics, your opponents know you don't have any snow cards. Even that just makes it correct. Even if you don't have any actual snow cards in your deck. Actually, there is another reason why I won't play snow lands. There's no Seb McKinnon Snowland art. So, and I mix and match all my lands. I might play one Snowland. So, I mean, to, for me, this doesn't change a thing in Commander. Uh, you could, you, the, like, I, I don't think Ice Fang Coatl is enough for me to turn my deck into a snowy deck. Because there's, right. there's better, His- there are better things that, than, than that for me. Okay. Historic, Grim. You play a lot of Historic. Will you ever play normal basics in Historic? Or from a a spike perspective of trying to win as much as possible, is it just 100% to always have snow? Correct. But if you're talking about like a a competitive format, like you're mentioning a 60-card format, I'm always going to play a snow deck. It it doesn't... Unless... Tomorrow they reveal something that is so back-breaking and punishing to this entire snow mechanic, I will play snow in everything that's competitive. Like, what could that card be, though? I, like, Snow Blood Moon? 
Like what can no, it be? Well, no, right? no, no, no. It can't. It can't. Because Snow Blood Moon, like Blood Moon, does not stop this. Because like you had mentioned, it is not something that that like like example. They spent none of their resources. They are just playing their game, and now you are wasting four slots in your deck to do this. So it has to be something that pretty much like if your opponent, if you if this blows up like six snow permanents or something it blows up all snow permanents your opponents control and if, if if there's like four that are blown up this way you win the game it has to actually do that <laughs> like, like, you win on the spot uh, yeah you win on this like that's okay. what it would have to be to make it worthwhile right w- but, what about melt a one man like a red so a single red destroy target snow permanent I mean that's like oh man that sounds really cool with Seagate uh whatever the war caller or the storm caller <laughs> blow up two lands uh no like like yeah like I I think that would be not enough because that's just well, you're just blowing up one thing and and if you know that there's one thing that like all the decks in this format are like if they have green they're good at they're gonna just drop like 19 lands on you and they don't care so. I don't know. What about what about like confounding conundrum style? Like something that's one or two mana, cantrips when it enters the battlefield, and it's just like I don't know, everything loses snow, or however you word that in a way that <laughs> that sounds better than everything loses snow. I mean that doesn't even like, do what, anything. It would way. have to be cheap replace itself at the least, right? At the very least, it starts with it being one to two mana, and then you maybe draw a card or something like that. Um, and, and, and maybe it's like every time your opponent plays a snow permanent, you draw a card. <laughs> How about snow price of progress? Is that enough? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I mean, it might be enough for the low to the ground decks. Maybe. That would make me think twice. That, that would yeah. make me think twice about playing snow. If I'm just going to be like, oh, like maybe I ice randomly of progress <laughs> right there. Ice <laughs> of progress. I don't think it's enough though, right? I think you need enough of them. Like when you play the older formats where you have to choose between basic and non-basic, Right, it's not just price of progress, right? It's the combination of price of progress, of wasteland, of like blood moon. It's like all of these, right? Because if it's just one deck, you're just like, I hope I dodge that deck. I don't know, right? You're like whatever, right? I'll just go crush every other deck. Uh, so it, there has to be enough across all the colors for you to be scared, so that you actually play basics, or in this case, non snow. So I actually think, I think just like any one of these cards is not enough because only. Well- a, you know, a certain kind of deck would play them, right? I think I if, think the other way to go about it that would take care of it would just be to tack Snow Hate onto already playable effects. Like yeah, if that's Blood exactly Chief's Ascension was destroy target creature or Snow Permanent, like something like that, then you're playing it for creature removal, plus you incidentally get to punish on Snow. So maybe that's not the perfect example, but I think like Doomblade that kills a creature or a Snow Permanent, I think would be a playable card, something like that. Yeah, I I mean, luckily though, right now, like we're talking about all the snow stuff, all the snow resources. Yes, that's that's terrifying for what could what, what it could mean. But as of right now, when we look at this set, I don't actually think there's anything that cr- like crazy in the snow uh, department outside of the new land. So, so we are. Uh... You know, twenty five minutes into our podcast, and we have not gotten past the basic land, the basic right. lands of Keldheim. Right. Maybe we should that's talk the, that's about some of magic set. These are the fundamentals, <laughs> the basic land. We must, we, we we must, you know, cover them in full. <laughs> that, that's why, by the way, like I, I'm telling you, like I to to pretty much tell you how I feel about it right now. I don't think it's that bad yet. For at least, strictly speaking, standard. Because I don't see anything that's ridiculous. There's a few snow sorceries, whatever, like like whatever blood in the snow. But like, I think the only thing that I've seen here that actually impresses me 
is the creature land, the super mutavolt or whatever. Although, before we move on real quick, I still think like we were talking about with Historic, from a spike perspective, even if you don't have any good snow permanents in your deck, you should probably play snow basics in standard, just to make your opponent think that maybe you do have some snow cards. So I think I think it's still correct that to I do agree. that, even yeah. if none of the cards are like super bonkers at this point. Yeah. All right. All right, Richard. Mythic us. Give us a Ta- give us a sweet mythic. All right. We're going to start off with the mythic legendary gods. Uh, so we're starting off with the mono green god, Asika, god of the tree. One green green, <laughs> one four legendary creature. God, vigilance, tap to add one man of any color. Other legendary creatures you control have vigilance and tap add one of any color. It's an MDFC, of course, and the other side is the Prismatic Bridge, uh, one of each color, so white, blue, black, red, green. Legendary Enchantment, at the beginning of your upkeep, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a creature or planeswalker card, put that card onto the battlefield, and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Of course this card's in green. <laughs> it's not green. It's a five-color card. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. But what is the front side? What is the front side? Okay. <laughs> no, like I... Oh, go ahead, Chris. This, this card's... It seems kind of medium. In all seriousness, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem like anything... Like, it's a three-mana mana dork that turns other legendary creatures you control, so you have to have a lot. I mean, so far... I, I just don't think this is... like Competitively speaking, right now, I don't know how good this is. I, I can't get I can't get a good read on it, but to me, I think at best it's medium right now. It's no circle of loyalty. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's that's actually where I am too with this card. Like three mana mana dorks aren't that exciting uh, as far as standard is concerned. Sure, it has some upside. We are seeing a legendary theme. If some sort of like legendary tribal deck develops, uh, maybe this has some more value. Vigilance is nice because you can like attack with your questing beast. And well, I guess that always has vigilance, but <laughs> yeah. you can attack with your legends <laughs> and then tap them for mana post combat. The backside it seems tough to cast, but there's a card we'll talk about in the future that gives you perfect mana, so maybe it's not that hard to cast. But really, to me, five-color commander card, I think this is probably pretty close to, like, staple level uh, for five-color commander decks, where a mana dork's fine, and the backside is pretty fun. Uh, but as far as standard, probably more against odds than something that people are going to be doing uh, competitive things with. So how, so it's in your command zone, so you can cast the backside of it, right? How does commander yep, tax work? Does it apply to the backside as well? Yep. I believe it's one card, so it should be the same yeah. commander tax. Yeah, yeah, I think this okay. will be a pretty fun commander deck, right? Like, you just have no creatures in your deck, or, you know, whatever creatures you have are game-ending creatures, and then you just try to resolve Pris- Prismatic Bridge, and it's sitting in your command zone. So this sets up for combo decks where the combo piece is sitting in the command zone. So I think this will actually do stuff in EDH. I think for standard, it's too weird and, and like slow. But I think EDH, this will become a very popular card. I, I mean, I, I've, I'm thinking about just super friends. That's the first thing I think of. <laughs> Ooh, I can, I can play all the planeswalkers. That's too fair. You just want to dump Eldrazi. <laughs> you want to flash this in at the end of someone's turn and then Eldrazi them. <laughs> I mean, if you if you build around it, it is a little bit like Oath of Druids in your command zone. Like if you only put the yeah. you know massive Eldrazi in your deck, that is 
actually potentially pretty powerful. Just turbo this out with mana rocks, and then if it gets blown up, do it again, because it goes back to your command zone. I mean, we're slowly I mean, becoming I Oathbreaker, right? The reason Oathbreaker was kind of flawed was that you just had so many combo pieces sitting in your command zone that you could cast at any time. And this is getting you closer, right? With these MDFC gods that especially do, like, non-fair things like you just have combo pieces sitting in your command zone for you to combo off at any time uh next up we have the red god Torelf, god of fury two red red five four trample whenever a creature or planeswalker an opponent controls is dealt excess non-combat damage Torelf deals damage equal to the excess to any target other than that permanent the flip side is a hammer Torhalf's Hammer, one and a red, its equipment, equipped creature has one and a red, tap, unattached Torhalf's Hammer, it deals three damage to any target, return Torhalf's Hammer to its owner's hand, equipped creature gets plus three, plus zero, as long as it's legendary, equipped is one and a red. I love this card. This card, this is this is one of the unique ones, where we have never seen this excess damage uh, mechanic or ability before, and I think it's actually kind of powerful even just like the boring aspect of it you play this you lightning bolt an x1 and get two extra damage is really sweet but that doesn't even include like in commander you play this as your commander then you just like blasphemous act and theoretically <laughs> you're like have a stuffy doll essentially that's gonna probably just kill the table if your opponents have a bunch of creature from all the excess damage from your blasphemous act i think this card's actually like legitimately good in standard it can do some really wonky things with chandra's and incinerator where you, if you have them both you can like whatever throw a burn spell at your opponent's face and then incinerator redirects it to a creature and then Torolf redirects excess damage back to your opponent which then goes back to the creature thanks to chandra's incinerator it's not like an infinite loop but it is like pretty spicy so i think this card's really unique and super fun and it might actually be pretty good i love this card in commander I think this card is a sweet commander card uh does everything like i like it I, I would use this as my commander, and I mean, I would love to then just use bunch like like much like Seth was thinking. The first thing I thought of when I saw this was Blasphemous Axe, Star of Extinction, stuff like that, right? So, I I think this is a cool card there. Uh, in standard, I'm not sure yet. I don't want to get too hyped up on this card in standard. It it doesn't feel like it does enough for me in standard yet. Yeah, because it sucks, right? Like what? what like, yeah, equipment is like super slow. You don't really want to be casting this in. Embercleave exists, so yeah. you you don't the, the excess non like come on, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what, what? Why would I do this instead of just embercleaving somebody in the ground? Right, like I so mean, the equipment I mean, half's not that bad. Like I don't think that's the the calling card of uh, Torolf. Like you're not playing it because you want Torolf's hammer, but I can't imagine like being a red aggro deck and getting in most of the damage to close out the game, and then your opponent stabilizing and just like having a six mana lightning bolt for the last few points of damage. It's just every horrible to close the game instead. Of <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's off, it's, trying to hammer it's, them. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that Torolf is like bad in any way. It's just. A lot, a lot of how I'm looking at this set is, what does this do in a world of Eldraine? <laughs> I will say that the biggest problem I've seen with a lot of the creatures from Keldheim is there's a lot of four and five drops that trade down with Bonecrusher or Lovestruck Beast. And when like <laughs> yep. 40% of decks are playing Bonecrusher or Lovestruck Beast, it makes some of the cards that I would be excited about otherwise a little less exciting. Because you're like, oh, my five drop, I got this sweet like Quakebringer or whatever. It's going to be so sweet. And then they're like, oh, you got Lovestruck Beast. My <laughs> deck does nothing now. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I mean, this is a common. And then what are they going to do? Ban those two? cards or something 
<laughs> I mean, like, come on, LJ's already mean, pretty much all rotated. So could, the thing right? here, they, 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 I guess they could. But like, yeah, turns like, out I, this three mana five five is kind of like crushing every like four, five, and six <laughs> drop we ever print. Uh, it so maybe. turns out Eldrain has just crushed every set that's been in print after it. <laughs> but, but like, without looking at that, and let's just say we ignore the powerhouse that is Eldrain, right? I think there, as of right now, there's 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 probably better to be doing, um, but in Commander this card is great. If there's a red deck, if there is a red deck, then then sure. But I haven't seen that many good burn spells. Yeah, I think this is still think- playable in standard. Ooh. Like unless there's a combo, like unless they print Blasphemous Act or something, and you can just combo off like four mana yeah. five four with no haste with no ability. You need to play burn, but burn has to hit a creature right so yep. and then like the other half of it the hammer is just like pretty much useless I, so i, 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 I just don't see hammer. how you would play this <laughs> yeah but commander oh that's star of extinction oh yeah <laughs> oh yes <laughs> or you can actually if you have a mana doubler you can like wipe the board or something like if you <laughs> oh not a mana doubler like a damage doubler like so if you like yeah. lightning bolt something with a tor brand it deals five and then there's excess damage and that excess damage gets pumped by tor brand again and then you kill something else and you can just kind of like chain lightning the board so it yeah. is really exciting for yeah. the commander correct and that is where I'm excited to play this card. All right, circle of loyalty, fire. yay or nay? Uh, no, no, nothing. Nothing will match the power level that is circle of loyalty. That's our new. That's our new. That's our new bra- uh, barometer bar. for this. Yeah, <laughs> with it at the top. In standard, it would be hilarious to have this with fiery emancipation and just like shock something and have that shock like chain off and win the game after yeah. after a while. We yeah, imagine like, these I mean, elaborate board states, but who's going to have more than like two creatures in standard? That's not like unheard of, by the way, because all you have to do is remember a card from Eldrain that might have slipped under the radar, Aaron Crag feet, drop fiery emancipation, drop god, literally just shock something, yeah. and, and go to town. That would be. But what if oh, you're playing Crim so and he has no creatures? <laughs> well, you, you know, just dodge me. Simple as that. All right, next up, we have Valky, God of Lies, one in a black. It's 2-1. When Valky yes. enters the battlefield, each opponent reveals their hand. For each opponent, exile a creature card. They revealed until Valky leaves the battlefield. You pay X, choose a creature card, exile the Valky with converted mana cost X. Valky becomes a copy of that card. Flip side, surprise, it's Tybalt, Cosmic Imposter. Yes. Five black and a red, five starting loyalty. As Tybalt enters the battlefield, you get an emblem with you may play cards exiled with Tybalt, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast those spells. Plus two, exile the top card of each player's library. Minus three, exile target artifact or creature. Minus eight, exile all cards from all graveyards. Add red, red, red. Think about this here, okay? This card, outside of standard, you can cascade into this. You can cascade into this, and that is sick! Oh man! And then on top of that, this card—I don't think this card is any like particularly broken in any way. But by golly, is this a fun card? This is going in my Grixis deck. This is going in every deck that I can put it in. This is so much fun. Tybalt is like—I—I—I've I, embraced my inner Tybalt. So, <laughs> so if this card doesn't scream like everything that I like doing in Magic. Where it's just being annoying, but doesn't necessarily win the game. Perfect. So, <laughs> so like this, this card does that exact, like exactly what I want it to do. 
Um, but in standard and like competitively speaking, I don't know about this one. Like, <laughs> like that. It's nice that you have this early threat, this two-one, which I think is really cool. But but unless we're like cascading into it or something like that, you know what I mean? I I, I don't know how we're really gonna get to seven mana and like win the game uh, with this. I I I I really like the design of this card. I like that it lets you potentially play four copies of a seven mana planeswalker because you can always just play it as a two one. I think the Valky side is actually like it's probably kinda better. meh. Like I mean it's it's on curve, but only hitting creatures, it's gonna get stomped a lot in standard. So I don't think it's like permanent discard. I would almost prefer if it was actually like permanent discard like bugler rat or something where you just got rid of a card rather than getting rid of it and then giving it back i do think it's sweet that you can uh potentially play it on turn two after a one one and steal a love struck beast in turn three just turn into a hasty love struck beast essentially and smash your opponent for a bunch of damage which seems kind of good if you can set that up i do think the most exciting part though is definitely like cheating it into play i'm actually kind of surprised that they went with those rules that you can cascade into Valky and cast Tibalt, bring the light into Valky, cast Tibalt. There's a bunch of other uh, emergent ultimatum can find Valky and then cast the Tibalt side. So there's a bunch of shenanigans like that that I think are uh, are pretty good. So and, you're telling me I can blood braid elf and plop down a Tibalt. Yep. Ooh, Jun, Jun yep. playable, Does this Richard? make Jund playable? Probably not, because you probably didn't want a Tybalt. That was probably... <laughs> uh, this does not die to Abrupt Decay, so... Well, I mean, true, I, I, but you're the, probably the not side. trying to just draw cards off Bloodbraid Elf. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. It seems very good in Commander, too. Like, this That's is in your command right. zone. Yeah. Well, you play this and you can cast the god side in the early game if you want to, and then Tibalt later but, in the plus two. Jeez, yeah. when you have four opponents and you're drawing four cards a turn, that's pretty bonkers. And because it's an emblem, even if Tibalt dies, you still can cast all those cards that you uh, that you exile with Tibalt. How do you feel about the emblem? Like, the no counterplay and ETB emblem, right? Like, once it enters, <laughs> it's it. You, you have the there emblem There is a forever. counterplay. You can disallow that, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I guess the emblem making, but once it's there, it's I don't. There, know, right? Although I don't know why you wouldn't just counter the card itself, but like, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, once it's there, it's there. Uh, I think it's tough. I think Tibalt would be unplayable in Commander if you couldn't cast the, or much closer to unplayable, if you couldn't cast the cards even after Tybalt dies, because Planeswalkers die frequently in Commander. So I think it would be much less appealing for Commander, but I would still like emblem interaction <laughs> again almost like we were talking about with snow give me a doom blade that kills a creature or an emblem and uh, i'd be down with that <laughs> I, I don't i don't <laughs> i don't think emblem should be interactable just because if, the, everything that you do to go through like to get through to like play that just literally that casting emblem. tybalt i mean for planeswalker Grim. ultimates i understand but this one is just like a freebie off of tybalt right hey, but, we, but the, it's so it's it's not a game winner right it's not like a it's not like teferi's emblem Right, it it could be, but I mean, it's as good as your opponent's deck will allow it to be. <laughs> we we live we live in a world where black is blowing up enchantments, blue is exiling artifacts. Don't tell me that emblems can't be interacted with. It's twenty twenty. The color pie is out the window. Everything does everything except emblems. I don't know about that. I, I It'll better, if it we, exists, it's going to be in green. Like <laughs> so, sure. <laughs> You'll, you'll interact by interacting with the exile zone by putting it into mega exile instead, where Tibble <laughs> can no longer cast it. 
I mean, sure thing. <laughs> this card is a new green ability. Trust is coming. This, <laughs> this card is is for me. This is I I think this is better than it looks right now, and that's because I'm biased and I'm gonna play it, and I'm gonna make sure that I force it in, in every deck that I can until. I really do get heartbroken and find out that it sucks. But I, th I think it'll be fun in Jund in Modern. I think it's a good win more. <laughs> like, I, I think yeah. it'll, it'll make you the king of fair, right? Like, yeah, you'll be yeah. able to keep up with other fair decks, but it helps you zero against all the unfair decks. <laughs> I mean, that's Jund anyway. It's like, it, yeah, it but Jund can't, can't even all. beat the fair decks anymore. They all out Jund Jund. <laughs> all right, next oh, up. Wait, hold on. Question How does this work with Luris? Is this it like, works? It works. It's, right? a, it's a two. Yep. So that's kind of another you can play like Rakdos, Luris, or whatever, and have a seven drop planeswalker. Although well, I don't know but how you, often. you can't you can't play the the seven drop side. You can only cast. No, the no, no, no. It would be so, legal to play with Luris as your right. commander, but you can't like cast Tibal from your graveyard. Now that would be well. I mean, that means you, you still have a seven mana planeswalker, so that's pretty cool that yeah. you could play. All right. Next up, we have Turgrid, God of Fright. Three black black. This is a rare legendary god. Four five menace. Whenever an opponent sacrifices a non-token permanent or discards a permanent card, you may put that card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. The lantern. Three and a black. Target player loses three life unless they sacrifice a non-land permanent or discards a card. Three and a black. Untap Turgrid's lantern. Best commander card from the set. Not even close. Like, I, I'm actually, like, kind of nervous this card might be too good for a commander. It seems so easy to break this. Like, you just play this, and then you wheel, and you get all the permanents in everyone's hand. That's insane. Or you play this, and you death cloud, and you get all the permanents on everyone's hand, and all their lands, and all their creatures. Like, this card's busted. It's absolutely busted. And then even the backside that doesn't look like much, if you have infinite mana, it kills the table. Like, it's an infinite mana sink in your command zone. So, make infinite mana. You gotta have black included. But still, infinite mana, in the command zone, win the game, and a fry F that's really crazy. Easy. Cards bonkers in Commander, I think. In Standard, probably I, too I, expensive, too slow, but... I think this card's unplayable in 60-card Constructed. <laughs> uh, because if I'm trying to go hold my Thoughtseize until after I play my 5-drop, <laughs> that's not good. Uh, it it uh, is kind of funny hate against sack decks, though. I mean, yeah. Yeah, like, it, 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 is, it is a good way to play against the sack deck, but, like, I... I I still feel like this is just like not that good in 60 card constructed. However, Commander, I think it's pretty powerful. I don't know if it's like, I, I'm not up in arms about it yet. I have to play against it before I say anything or, or play with it myself. But as of right now, it just seems powerful. But it does not seem like I'm going to throw my computer out the window if I get paired against uh, it, right? Clint, but, let me let me sell you on this. You know how many Notion Thieves you've played? Yeah. Imagine if your Notion Thief, instead of drawing you those cards, put them all onto the battlefield. <laughs> it's that, one more mana, and it's a Notion Thief that puts all those cards on the battlefield instead of in your Seth, hand. That's terrible. It w that would then win me the game. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to win the game. I just want you to feel bad that you. I drew all your cards, and then I lost because I didn't do anything after. <laughs> <laughs> I mean this this is like Soul Ring, Jewel Lotus, Turgrid, and then is there a black windfall effect? That's the problem. Yes, yeah, dark, dark dark deal. deal. Yep. Oh, dark Three deal. Three mana. There we go. That's that's what you do, and then you just win the game on the spot. Okay, so if I handpick my seven cards though, I also can win with a lot of other stuff, yeah, right? But, I, 
Right, right now, the only mm. thing I can think of, if this is your mono black commander, right? Like this, this, you know, like yeah, there's powerful interactions that you could do with this. But I, 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 and I think it is a very powerful card. But uh, is it, is it the the sky is falling bad though? I don't. No, think so. but it's the it's the Narset wheel. Like Narset wheel is actually kind of hard to pull off, right? Because that's like at least right. six mana if you're trying to do it at the same time, and then if you do it piece by piece, people are just gonna rip it well, apart. But there's but more it does wheels eventually in blue. happen, and when it happens, it just wins the game, right? And then sure, it's a very salty feeling. So. Yeah, most of the time this won't happen because as soon as you see Turgrid, you're like, okay, we must annihilate it. So you, you end up having to like Dark Ritual or Jewel Lotus into it, into your quote-unquote finisher. Uh, but I don't know, I feel it's just like a cheap win, I guess. It's like too easy, right? It's just like imagine if there was like an eight mana card that was like win the game and that's all you had to do. And then so people would see you reach six mana and they would annihilate you or you somehow ramp to eight mana and you just win the game. <laughs> so I feel it's kind of one of those cards where I don't know if it just promotes good gameplay. Uh, like you, you see how crazy Waste Knot gets, right? Yeah. Uh, Waste Knot is giving you two mana or a zombie or something, right? This is giving you the actual cards, <laughs> right? So... I mean, <laughs> but, but if your deck is like, let's say you build a deck that's you know meant to discard, right? What are you going to do? Hold all your discard spells until you play your commander? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. That seems kind of bad, right? I mean, I would like to mind shatter somebody. Obviously, that's hilarious and then get all their cards. But like, <laughs> I mean, I, oh, I think there's... I think I found oh. a new way to try to assemble Cauldra. <laughs> <laughs> oh, would that be hilarious? You just like get somewhere to discard his cauldron pieces one by one, assemble cauldron like that. I mean, and I I think we might be focusing too much on like the absurd things this can do. Just like playing this and then playing uh something that edicts the table, you get to steal everyone's creatures. Like Playcrafter just got like <clears throat> crazy valuable. Yeah. Yeah, Playcrafter is insane. Mind Slicer and a Sack Outlet. Obviously, mm -hmm. you steal everyone's hand. So I feel like even though there's only one mono black wheel, there are a lot of synergies for this deck, so, uh, for a Turgor deck. If you want to actually build around it, play the Edicts, play the discard stuff, maybe throw an infinite mana for the backside of it. And I feel like it might actually be a pretty good deck. I think it'd be fun, but I don't know if it'd be fun to play against multiple times. Like seeing it once, it's going to be like, wow, that was insane. But if I had someone in my playgroup that was doing it every game, eh, I don't know if I would enjoy that. Check back with me and like, two months after its release and i'll tell you how i feel about it but as of right now i think it sounds fun but that's because <laughs> to i a point, think we will have to target Krim with Turkey yep. the yes yes <laughs> just just constantly dunk me with this but like are you really as thought of, seizing me for the fifth time <laughs> <laughs> i have no cards <laughs> they're all on your board no like i i i think this is like i i have a but I guess you know what I enjoy magic at a di in a different you way. You like opposition I, I, I agent have... and hall breacher. And yeah. to me, this was one of those kind of cards where it's just. But opposition bad. agent didn't even. It's not even that broken. So what's the salt powerful. score EDH rec for this? Has it? I mean, okay, the salt score. I mean, <laughs> having like, island is probably like number one, right? Like so, like you know, I mean, you think gameplay wise, island isn't doing anything. It's just existing, and that's. Do you accidentally go to the salt score page when you're building your deck scrim instead of like the the actual deck page? Like maybe that explains it. You're clicking on the wrong EDH rec link. You, you know that and it's that, all that, the saltiest <laughs> cards. Is it bad that I do love a nine like a good majority of the cards on there? <laughs> 
I, I just need to figure out how to Armageddon with this. I make you sack all your lands and take them. Now, cataclysm. Like that, that, is it a sacrifice? What does cataclysm say? It's destroyed. Yeah, no? Cataclysm does do oh, it. I it think. is sack. Uh, mm. Death cloud what? also. Jockle hops. And you play this in your temple de- a temple deck. <laughs> you no, jockle hops. hops is definitely destroy. It's is very, oh, oh, very oh. all-permanent. Oh, okay. <laughs> the red one. The red one from Kamigawa, too. I can never remember. The one where each player sacks a land for each card in your hand. That would get it done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. Like, but like to tie it all back, like, Turgrid is powerful. Don't, don't get me wrong. This is a very powerful card. Um, and I'm excited to see what happens with it and Plague Crafter and all those effects. Like, specifically, the Plague Crafter is going to be so good. Oh, but yeah. Someone, someone get me a Thresh Altar. This is the perfect Thresh. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. This is definitely Thresh. It's it's from League of Legends, Seth. Oh, I, I was wondering. Hmm, what are, <laughs> yeah. what are they talking with about? With a lantern, and he collects <laughs> souls. Is that an X-Men? <laughs> He's the Turgrid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up, we have the World Tree. It's a rare land. It enters tapped. Tap it to add a green. As long as you control six or more lands, lands you control have tap at one mana of any color. Uh, white, white, blue, blue, black, black, red, red, green, green. So two of every color. Tap, sacrifice, search your library for any number of god cards, put them onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Do you remember that scene from the Avengers where Captain America pulls up his chair and he goes, so you got detention. Well, <laughs> this is like, so you so you wanted to balance Field of the Dead. <laughs> and, and so here we go. This card is not legendary. It's broken. This is the card where I'm like, oh, whoa, hold on here. What? Wait, what's so like, broken about it? Someone <laughs> explain to me what's broken about it. it I don't is, get it. Oh, you guys have been raving about this card. I'm sitting here like, what am I missing? <laughs> what? Oh, uh? <laughs> it, okay, okay. So it makes, okay, all, you, it, you don't even have to do anything really. You just need to have a sixth land. And then all of a sudden, all your mana taps for all the colors that you could ever want. Uh, and it's like, I, I don't even need the gods part. Like, I don't even care about the gods part. It's just that powerful. It allows your mana base to do whatever you want to do, and it's very hard to interact with. Like, But out, outside of trying to cast an ultimatum, like, when, by the time you hit six mana, when is, like, colors of mana ever relevant? Like, Golos? What, what, are, what are we talking, what were we spending, like, 25% of this podcast talking about at the beginning? Mana sources, right? Our resources. Magic's resources. That's how we win the game. Like, you know, we curve out, we do whatever... Our resources allow us to do that stuff, right? But, and, and what does this do right now? This allows you to, like, it makes it so you ignore about your, ignore your resources, whatever. Like, what, what do I have? Like, 19 colorless lands? Doesn't matter. Because now I can just cast whatever I want off the board. But there's no way you would build your deck like that, right? Because before turn six, you need to cast your spells. So you're playing, like, chock full of triomes and duels anyway. And most likely by the time you get six, you can cast all your spells. Maybe ultimatums get like easier or like the activation of this thing, right? Like there are certain cards that are pretty restrictive in cost. So this card helps it. But most cards, like, I don't know, are you really that mana screwed by the time you get to six mana? I'm like super confused. You, you just play like mono green aggro and then cryptic people. Think of it that way. Like- <laughs> you have a cryptic that's uncastable for five turns. <laughs> like, are you really going to do that? Uh, I, I think it enables five color piles. That's kind of like my my thinking. Like, sure, maybe you can cast most of your cards anyway, but this is going to make sure you cast all your cards all the time. And I, right. uh, like, is it relevant for most standard decks? 
probably not. I don't think like every deck's going to play it, but I do think uh, if you're already green based, why like it's only a tap land. It's a tap forest. Like, is that enough of a downside for you to not play that in like Abzan or some three color deck? It seems like the cost is low enough for team or ramp or something. Why wouldn't you play it even in a three color deck? And if you're four or five color and you want to go like Niv or you've been tutoring out cascading cataracts with Golos, like, isn't this just better than a lot of the stuff people have already been trying to do with cascading cataracts in formats like historic or even a pioneer modern subtype? And I think it shows up in every five-color commander deck. It's a chromatic lantern that's on a land. Like, tutor up with one of your land tutors and have perfect mana for the rest of the game. Why wouldn't you play that in every five-color commander deck? But this is even better than chromatic because, A, it's not an artifact or enchantment, which is easily blown up. And, and B, you didn't spend any mana to do anything. You literally just put it onto the board, and it's like, I exist. Also, it's not legendary. It's the world tree, not the world trees. <laughs> like, so... There's more than one world. Come on. <laughs> okay, then, then, like, but the thing is, this should be, if this is supposed to be Yggdrasil, right? Like, Yggdrasil, or however you're supposed to say it, I do apologize if I butchered that. This should be legendary. Why is this not legendary? Yeah, I don't know why it's not legendary. It's like uh, it's, it's like Valakit. Like, is that not the Valakit? Like, why can't I yeah, the Valakit? No, it's not. Apparently, <laughs> it's the. The answer, because I brought this up on Twitter and Mark Rosewater chimed in, uh, appears to be they don't do legendary lands anymore. So, oh, <laughs> that is a dumb reason. <laughs> Why can lands not well, be legendary? Let's just have Urborgs, <laughs> like, 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 you know, tombs of the Yogmoth. Let's go do that. <laughs> uh, all right. So, wait, this is standard staple? Yay, day? I'm confused. Are, are you guys I, I, I liking think, the power I think level this... in Commander or like constructed? I'm going to be honest with you right now. I'm going to play an Esper deck and I'm just going to have four of these in there <laughs> because it's like I add one green mana, whatever. It doesn't matter. Right. Like, but, but after that certain point, all my mana is fixed. With the goal of casting what though? Like you have a white, 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 black, black spell to cast? Like, Honestly, Fae of Wishes. Now I can go grab whatever I want out of the sideboard. Oh, that that's a good point. I, I like that play. Right, like, I'm going to go do whatever like I want wishes now. And then grab just a sideboard card from any Yeah, colors. like, I'll have all, like one that. of each ultimatum in the side. Like, and if, if this is, like, you know, once again, Wizards, if you're listening and you want to add Cruel Ultimatum to Historic, you know, I wouldn't hate it. Uh, but, like, yeah, like, I would, okay, I would just... I like that. I like that. I like right? that. Right? Like, yeah. I could do what... I, it, the thing here is, it may not look like much up front, but the thing here is, I'm abusing the resource system. Yeah. I mean, that's my argument, is just the cost is low. Like, yeah. is it is it absolutely insane? I don't think it's absolutely insane in most decks, but it's one of those, like, the opportunity cost is... Even if you're playing the Esper deck like Krim was, you're essentially playing a colorless land that comes into play tapped, and you're getting a pretty big reward in the late game. So I think the opportunity cost is low enough that it's going to see play in a lot of uh, in a lot of standard decks and in decks in other formats too, like Modern Pioneer. I think there will be like five color pile decks. Maybe you don't play a ton of these, but you can tutor up with Primeval Titan or Our Promise or however you're getting your broken lands on the battlefield, Elvish Reclaimer, and then. Uh, and then that enables this you to is going straight into Niv Delight, right? Yeah, like, oh, it's like, perfect right? for something like, like Niv Delight. Yeah, 
So I think it's going to be really good. I don't think it's broken or bannable or anything, but I think it's going to be strong and uh, maybe open up some new, like, piley style archetypes. Even, like, the Uruwamnath deck in Modern. Like, I think that's a deck that would probably be interested in some number of copies of this. You're trying to cast white spells and red spells and cryptic commands, and this would make it a lot easier. And just put it in off of your Uro or whatever it comes into play tapped. Like, who cares? Like, it's not yeah. that big of a deal. And you're already playing Triumphs that come into play tapped to do less than this most of the time. And this is, like, commander-wise, this is an auto-include. Yeah, 100% of five-color commander deck should play this card. Like, yeah. Like, like I, I don't even think there's a, a justification. Unfortunately, yeah. it has to be five-color, right? right? Because right. of the god text, well, so you yeah. so you can't technically play it in a three-color deck, or I would play it in those decks, too, if I right. could. Right, right. You guys remember this when there's a blood moon. <laughs> You're like, maybe hey, I should have played that basic forest. <laughs> and when there's a blood moon, the rest of my mana base is already gone anyways. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? <laughs> All right, next up we have Faceless Haven. It's a snowland. It's a rare tap to add a colorless mana. Three snow, so snow, snow, snow. Faceless Haven becomes a 4-3 creature with vigilance and all creature types until end of turn. It's still a land. Okay, this card, this card so is... Much. <laughs> I think this card is so sick. The artwork, it reminds me of the anime The Ancient Magus Bride. Just the card, this is just sweet, right? You tap three snow resources, you have a vigilant land, and it's everything. It's a bigger Mutavolt. Yeah, it feels like fixed Mutavolt to me, I would say. Right. Like a, a slightly safer or standard right. version of Mutavolt. But a lot of formats don't have Mutavolt. Like, standard doesn't have it, historic doesn't have it, and I think this is on par with, or maybe in some decks at least, better than other creature lands we've seen recently. Like I, that, uh, That's the one thing. Is this? Uh, do you think this is better than Crawling Barrens? Because I don't. Like, if you're a tribal deck, I yes. think this would yeah, be. Okay. In a generic, like, control deck, probably not. But I think in some decks, it's better than, like, Crawling Barons. Yeah, I could see that. Because the, the, the every type will matter more. Whereas, you know, Crawling Barons, I'm just using it to, like, close out a game. So Yeah. This, yeah, so I think it is very good. This makes me play Snow in every deck, right? Like, now you have a reason to play Snow. Now you can play a, you know, a 4-3 for three, three mana. And it has tribal synergies. It's actually going in all my jank decks as like the greatest creature. Uh, so, and it doesn't ETV tap. It's Kithkin. It's, it's Kithkin. It's Kithkin. It's the greatest Kithkin ever. It's a fourteen <laughs> vigilance, right? Didn't even cost me a card. It's my land, right? So, I just don't like the power creep here, and I, I just don't like how it just forces everyone to play snow right now. You know, it's like if they made Mutavolt have snow mana, like everyone would just play Mutavolt in their deck and everyone would have snow mana, right? Now everyone has snow mana and then they'll play a Faceless Haven because why not? The cost is close to zero. So it just restricts deck building and it's just an auto-include. So I don't like it in that sense. Uh, is it a fair enough card? Sure. I mean, it's, you know, it's a 4-3 land, but eh. I... Uh, isn't that more of a problem with snow as a mechanic, though, than this card in specific? I feel that way about what we were just like <laughs> back to square one. Back <laughs> but, to yeah, we, we're wrapping. We're getting near the end. We're gonna wrap things back around to what we started with. Um, but isn't that just how all snow cards work, or most snow cards work, rather than this card in specific? No, because this is actually free. Like for example, like if you had you know, lightning bolt or whatever, right? You you have the you have the decision of whether you want to play lightning bolt or not and whether to include the the snowlands, right? Like scred, right? Here, what is the choice? You might as well it's like a free creature land. Like why not? Right? And then so yeah, it's auto include. And then because you auto include it, you have all of the the snow, right? So if you're playing like a two color deck, 
or, or less, right? Or if you're playing any tribal deck, this is like auto-include, right? Anything with tribal synergies. And there's a lot of just random cards that uh, are okay with just like random upside tribal synergies in the set, right? Like the, the card is perfectly respectable, but if you control something of this type that gets slightly better, you would totally play this, right? So I think because this card is also free, like imagine if Scred cycled, right? Then you would just auto-include in every deck because it cycles, why not, right? And then you would auto-include all basics. And then at the end of the day, after all the auto-include commander staples and format staples, you have like five card choices for your deck, right? So that's why I don't like cards like this. So what I hear you saying is uh, you were joining me and throwing out all of your basic lands. Yeah, I already threw out all my basics on Bodo anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have to, right? All jank tribal decks, which is all the decks I play, will play this. So yeah, I I will no longer see another basic land. I'll forget what they look like. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, next up, we have... Let me find it. Maskwood Nexus for... Generic mana, it's an artifact, it's a rare. Creatures you control are every creature type. The same is true for creature spells you control and creature cards you own that aren't on the battlefield. Three and tap, create a 2-2 blue shapeshifter creature token with changeling. Now, I know I know this is kind of small ball in it, considering how powerful this card is, but I just want to name rogues, and I just want to have a Thieves Guild Enforcer and just keep milling people. That's like, like, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's like super small ball, but like... <laughs> outside of that this card is really good i i think this card is really good commander wise like this this is now what another what's the three mana enchantment from ixalan uh, uh the blue arcane one. adaptation but yeah. even even better in a lot of ways because right. you're all creature types instead of just choosing one so yeah it's Correct. like an upgraded version of that but any combo that worked with arcane adaptation also works with mass uh maskwood nexus now we can wait hold on but now we have death bell of war cry right yeah you can death bell of war cry anything into play any four creatures you can like They're use a name or a name whatever the spirit is to like mill all the creatures in your deck and reanimate them you can there's like infinite shenanigans with this card like you know, gem hides lover and all your creatures are mana doors like there's any of the creature tutors like goblin matron is just yep. hard tutor for any creature i think this is one of the most fun cards in the deck i would be surprised if this wasn't one of the most popular commander cards in the deck but what do you think grim like is this a standard card? To me, this no. feels like a Panharmonicon, <laughs> like a card that I will build janky fun decks around in standard, but I would be really surprised unless there's some combo that I haven't seen yet that just breaks the game and wins the game like Splinter Twin style. I'd be really surprised if this showed up in uh, like competitive decks outside of maybe Commander. I mean, like we're talking about like in 60 card formats. I like I, I'm definitely going to try something, right? Pyre of Heroes, Maskwood Nexus. <laughs> <laughs> but like is that good enough i i don't know because i'm gonna be honest with you i'm talking about a four mana do nothing when it hits the board <laughs> like yeah that's i've played a lot of panharmonicons this reminds me a lot of panharmonicons where maybe well, if no. in the right deck the right situation there could be a competitive deck with it but as someone who's played a lot of panharmonicons it's hard to take off turn four for a card that doesn't do anything in formats like standard. Like that, that's where the, where I see the comparison is it's really difficult to just be like, Oh, I'll skip my turn four. And your opponent's like, Oh, I'll questing beast and attack you for four. And you're like, Oh, how am I going to get back from that? I mean, I, I agree with like how that, that, that plays out. But I think panharmonicon's a little bit better because 
you're going to get like let's say you play something you're going to get the value almost instantly right as you, as you like have the panharmonicon it's already done its job you've sunk in your investment mana into it everything from here on out will now just party it up this card i don't know i mean i like what i want to get a 2-2 changeling that's like in 60 card formats in commander and whatnot th this this card is great but in 60 card formats i think this is just gonna what make a 2-2 uh like like you know what i mean like that's seven mana for a 2-2 <laughs> there there are a ton of things i want to do with this though like can you imagine right. like playing this with muxus and historic and just like muxusing whatever creatures you hit into play or like liliana's contract you can win with any four creatures instead of needing demons so there are really fun things you can do but yeah. i think those are probably gonna all be semi-competitive like win once in a while and do cool things decks rather than like winning tournaments and hitting mythic style decks like we're all familiar with the win more we just mentioned that at what point, like, why did we go through all of that for a Muxus instead of just, like, playing goblins? Literally putting <laughs> goblins in your deck? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think right? even like, in Commander, this is win more. I think, like, this will be a staple of all my decks because I play Terrible Tribes where seven mana for a 2-2 two -two is actually a decent rate. <laughs> but, like, you would, I don't think you'd put this in Vampires or Goblins or anything like that. Like, you know, the, the good tribal not? decks in Commander, like... All your creatures are probably the type anyway, right? And there's only like a handful of support creatures that are not the type, and you don't want to pay seven mana for two two, right? So I would put this uh, in like crocodile tribal, or I would put this in, I don't know, frog tribal, right? But I would not put this in any uh, commander deck with like good tribal support, like you know, like dwarves, goblins, vampires, zombies, things like that. Like this card is kind of like a four mana do nothing, like. You might as well just play more of that tribe, right? Like, I mean, rather than but, change your deck into a combo deck. But I think in Commander, this this like does a little. It's a little bit better than that because let's say you just have something like tap five zombies, you know, whatever. I forgot what it is from onslaught, and then put a a card in the graveyard from play or into But play, what do right? you have like, on the battlefield that's not a zombie? Well, but the, like, I mean, there there are sometimes like where like. Let's say I'm playing like Esper Zombies, right? I have some cards in white and blue that aren't a zombie, but now they are considered zombies. So it gets the benefits of my Lord effects. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, like imagine Vampire Nocturnus, um, and you're playing, I don't know, you've got like some random artifact creature or something like that, but now like a Dark Steel Colossus. <laughs> but now it's a vampire with flying, yeah. and mean, that's like, cool. I guess, like your Solemn becomes a vampire or something, right? Yeah, but typically, that's tribal sick. decks don't have that many non on tribe cards. <laughs> Right, like you I wouldn't just, just like put that. a random Muxus in your Berserker <laughs> deck because you're you're relying on Masculine Nexus, right? Like you wouldn't do that, right? No, so yeah, you're right. But normally this, this your deck would probably work already without the Nexus, so it's it's not worth it for that one Solemn to become you know the uh, but the on tribe creature. But I feel like there's just only upside, right? Because like then you have the ability here where you can just pay in in Commander, right? When we're just sitting there and, you know, like you aren't trying to commit too much, too many resources to the board because there's three other players, right? They, 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 there's tons of ways they can blow up your board and then you're stuck. But the thing here is you can just sit there with a mux, a maskwood nuxus, nuxus, nexus, and then just <laughs> make a bunch of tutus, right? You make an army just by sitting there, forcing somebody to act. And I think that this on its own can kind of just run away with the game and you just play one actual thing from your hand, like a Lord effect without I mean, spending any resources. That is true, but, or you could just play a one mana 2-2 two -two vampire in your Edgar Markov deck, right? Which gets the same effect of this. So, 
I don't I, know. I think I for think, the good tribes, you wouldn't really play this. But for the bad tribes, oh, I would definitely pay seven mana for a two two. <laughs> and I I think that you're right that I don't know if I would just jam this into Edgar Vampires or Najila Warriors or something. I think that's less exciting. But I like the possibility of like kind of melding two tribes together or doing things like that. I think uh, tribal decks actually might be the worst though, because like you said, all your stuff is probably already that tribe, but like, look at Tomer's tribal tribal deck that he always plays. Like something like that, where you're trying to harness the power of lords and tutors from a bunch of uh, different tribes and hold them together with changelings. This is like the perfect card for that style of deck building, where you're trying to pull from different tribes and put together. Uh, That partner pair, the one that gives all your knights double strike and the dragon that gives whatever like that yeah. where you're playing two tribes at once this would be perfect for that yeah that's that's where i'm most excited about it trying to put two or three different tribes together although at the same time you run the risk of going too far because masquerade nexus is a pretty unique card and i guess you have like arcane adaptation and conspiracy for certain decks but if you go like tribal tribal and you build exclusively around Nexus, there's a big risk that you're not going to draw it, or it immediately gets killed, and then the rest of your deck doesn't do anything, so I think it's important to avoid going too far into that trap uh, either. You're going to end up with a deck that's really sweet, like a couple games out of 10 when you have messed with Nexus and it sticks, but then it's just absolutely miserable the other 8 games out of 10 when you don't find it, or it gets countered, or gets killed, or whatever, exiled. As a combo piece, it's really good. So I I expect most people play this in an unfair fashion by creating some creature type and then comboing to win the game instantly uh all right we're running long but there's two more cards that we need to cover because they're like the best cards and here is my pick of the format for the next euro tibble's trickery one and a red instant counter target spell choose one two or three at random its controller mills that many cards, then exiles cards from the top of the library until they exile a non-land card with a different name than that spell. They may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Then they put the exiled cards on the bottom of the library in a random order. I think this card's really good. It's a, a like a chaos warp, essentially, for spells. And I think this is a card that can see play actually across formats. I don't think, you don't want to use this like a normal counter. If you uh, are playing in standard and you're playing mono red, you don't want to bring this in and counter your opponent's Lovestruck Beast or something, because who knows, they could flip into something that is even better than Lovestruck Beast. On the other hand, if you're in that same matchup and your opponent casts Genesis Ultimatum or Ugin, kind of all upside like sure they're gonna get something out of the deal but it's almost certainly not gonna be as good as what you're countering you can do that in formats like modern too if you're hitting the goblin char belcher against belcher or the balustrade spy against upsal spells like countering the key combo piece then it's gonna be all upside it's really hard to use on your own stuff i think as a combo piece because of the random milling. I think that's why the random milling is there. So you can't Vampiric Tutor, Emrakul to top your deck and just counter your own spell and get an Emrakul every time. But I don't know. You can still try it. Just stuff your deck full of big things and counter your own thing. Like in theory, in modern, if you go turn one, uh, like Simeon Spear Guide, gut shot your opponent, counter your own gut shot with Tabal's Trickery. If Emrakul is a tough card of your deck, you're going to end up with a turn one Emrakul. Like, that is a thing that can happen. But uh, I think it's actually really good, and we'll probably see play all the way back to modern, at least, and in Commander. I, I love it. I, I think this card is so cool. And it, it's just because it's a red counterspell. So now Grixis can have more. 
<laughs> I don't know that you I, want more in Grixes. Uh, I oh think, no, no, the bolus <laughs> bolus welcomes this. I really dislike this card because I think it messes fundamentally with the color pie in the older formats. Uh, like Seth said, you would never play this fairly. It would probably be pretty bad if you play this like a normal counter spell. But as a I stop the combo deck card, uh, it is really good, right? You just counter their combo win condition. They get something random, probably a cantrip or another ritual, and then you crush their face and you are in red. You don't play blue, right? So this is the card that gets me most excited to dust off Jund. And to, to, to try to get people <laughs> in, in, uh, you know, in modern, they're like, oh, you know, I combo off. I'm like, surprise, it's Tibble's. Is Jund playable take three? Probably thousand. not. This is not the right game. It needs the lightning bolt off of it as well or something. But <laughs> how like, many just, people are going to do that? You can't stop the red counter spell. Who's going who's gonna to see it coming? Like, what are you going to do? Play around it? Like, it's, I don't know that red should have counter spells like this. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, there is like Pyroblast if you go back to Legacy, but it is a little shocking to see a pretty good red counter spell in formats outside of Legacy. Like, that is, I don't know, we had a lot of color pie breaks. Personally, like, Raven Form offends me more than Tabalt's Trickery, because I can justify Tabalt's Trickery a little bit with, like, things like Indomitable Creativity, Chaos Warp, even Pyroblast, but, oh man, Raven Form. I could spend the, we could go double this cast and go two hours, and I could spend the next hour ranting about Raven's Form. <laughs> I guess we need to talk about Raven's Form then, right? <laughs> What is Raven's form? You haven't seen Raven's that's form? It's blue artifact blue. destruction. It's, yeah. blue, it's the biggest color pie break. I can't believe that they're doing this. The color pie is dead. Don't it's we dead. It's, three it's, not, it's, it's not blue no. artifact destruction. It's blue artifact exile. Exiling, yes. No, there's, there's <laughs> this is the first... There's like things that can tap an artifact or bounce an artifact, but there's not a blue card that just exiles or kills an artifact. This I is mean, the first one ever. I, I, I think this one is more egregious because it's a counterspell and a counterspell fundamentally changes matchups, right? Like if you are playing, like, ima like imagine like goblins in Legacy, right? Where you're playing like weird cards to like drop into play against a show and tell to counter the show and tell because that's the only way you can deal with it, right? You have Pyroblast and then you have like Ashen Rider or whatever, right? Like now you can just play a straight up counter spell, right? It just fundamentally changes how the matchups work. And like now every color has a counter spell almost, right? So like, I don't know. This is just. This is weird. I don't know what they thought this through. I think this is going to mess around with like the older formats and modern. I think we'll we'll see something different. And I want to see if John is legit with the Tibble's trickery in the sideboard. Like we <laughs> an we, actual Tibble. We already have the black Tibble tribal Jund. that redirects Imp's mischief, right? But that's like very conditional because it redirects. But now we have a straight up red counter spell where you cast your Ugin. And I can spin the wheel for another turn, right? And then that turn is enough for me to kill you, right? Rakdos control. <laughs> I mean, it is it is definitely a color pie break, that's for sure. Although, yeah, if you're playing blue, don't play this, please. Yeah, yeah, play don't don't play it the fair way. <laughs> no, 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 no. Play this for the salt. <laughs> play this for the salt. <laughs> You just yeah. keep, you keep, you just get ready to scoop up the sodium because it's going to be great. <laughs> or you, you, you next level, you like, you, you, you Tarmogoyf and then you counter it with your Tibble's Trickery, hoping to hit a Bloodbraid Elf into a Blightning <laughs> to kill your opponents. 
<laughs> sure, sure. Okay, Christmas yeah. land is great all year round. Wait, we're gun players. We have to resort to these extreme measures to get a 50-50 chance. Like, <laughs> I mean, this is a shot, though. Jun now has a shot, right? At beating some unfair deck. No, I buy luck. I counter, I counter the card and an Ugin comes down and you're like, great. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I see happening most times where it's like, ah, I countered you into something better. <laughs> it also it also seems pretty sweet, uh, kind of like people play remand in modern, where your opponent yeah. like cryptics yep. your spell and you remand your own spell. You can do the same thing with this. You're like, oh, it fizzles your cryptic, and sure, maybe my card isn't good, but it's better than you drawing a card with cryptic and my spell getting countered. So I think there are situations where you can use it on your own spells fairly too, like that. Oh, oh, Seth. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm firing up Mona right now. <laughs> we got we got to get back in Jund 4 here. We got to start the Rocky montage. Here we go. I Wait, see you counter my Tarmogoyf. I counter my own Tarmogoyf. <laughs> got him. But wait. You mean Strangle, strangle Root guys? Yes, no, yes. No, no, oh, no, no, no. Strangle Root we, We've dropped R Ren and Six, so yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to disrespect the, the, the Strangle Root guys, let it resolve, and then be confused while your down card is trying to remove this two drop <laughs> later on in the game. <laughs> all right, all right. Last card, and then we'll call it a cast, uh, because I think it is one of the sweetest cards in the set. We have Vorinclex, Monstrous Raider, Three versions. We have the normal version. We have a showcase version with the uh, Caldime frame. And then we have Phyrexian version with all the text in Phyrexian. So basically unreadable. Uh, but four green green, six six. It is a mythic. Trample haste. If you would put one or more counters on a permanent or player, put twice that many of each of those kind of counters on that permanent or player instead. If an opponent would put one or more counters on a permanent or player, they put half as many of those kinds uh, rounded down. So is there an Ozolith deck yet? Like, does this make Ozolith work? I'm actually like, I don't know what I think about this in standard. It feels like it could work with Ozolith. It feels like it could work with like Conclave Mentor, plus one, plus one counters energies. Mm -hmm. But it's also six mana. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you've already like emptied your hand by the time this would come down. I don't know. I don't know if it's good enough for those decks or not. It does seem sweet that you can uh, insta-ultimate Planeswalkers, similar to doubling season. Like, play this, play a Planeswalker, double loyalty, ultimate, win the game. Seems great for Commander. And having a Fraxian version, I expect that's going to be ridiculously expensive. But That's I, the one I want. Oh, and, <sighs> and Historic and Pioneer, they already have Mono Green Super Friends that has six mana pretty easily by turn three. Ooh. So, oh, yeah, that would that would be scary. And then you just like instantly ultimate Ugin or something when it resolves instead of right. having to kill your opponent over the course of a couple of turns with Ugin. You speed your deck up <laughs> significantly if, as if Ugin was not good enough already. Well, yeah, and you could Nissa and, and then have the time of your life. You know, it's great. It's great. <laughs> oh, 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 Nissa would be 6-6 six, six lands. I forgot about that. I was yep. just thinking like Great Henge, 8 hasty damage is good enough for me. No, <laughs> no, no. The Great Henge doesn't work anymore. Blue cards can exile that. So you get a, you get a burn for that artifact now. But 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 Nissa is, is forever. Six, six, and it's a 6-6 six, six Trample Haste. Like those, yeah. It's actually just got like legit stats. Like If anything makes it playable in standard, it's probably that you just fireball that into people's faces as a 6-6 six, six Trample Haster. Yeah, as if that wasn't already bad enough, you had to worry about them getting like ultimates. It's just going to hit you the turn it comes down. This do, works for Infect, right? It what? does. Yes. Yeah. Double, so in fact, double your five? Infect, double your energy. Well, 
I mean, I don't know how many infect decks are trying to cast a six drop, but but like yeah. my commander yeah. infect decks, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, commander infect deck. Okay, maybe. I mean, so like, I mean, this card is cool, and much like Seth said, I don't know about standards life, but I do, I, I do know about like I think that it's historic life in the formats, you know, behind it. I I think I think it could be kind of fun, right? And like command, uh, like but like standard, I I don't know yet. But what I do want to know is, is this the only Praetor? I'm guessing yes. My guess is, because I guess this is part of the story, which I haven't read, but people have been talking about something about, like, I think Kaya is fighting Vorinclex or something as part of the, the story of Keldheim. My guess is we're going to see the the Praetor spread out over the next year Ooh. and then get a get a Praetor set or, like, a return to Mirrodin. In Strixhaven. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's that's my guess is they're going to filter in and then it'll all come together next year sometime with some Phyrexian set. That they all work for Nico Bolas. <laughs> and Emrakul. Don't it forget Emrakul. Turns out Nico Bolas is Emrakul. <laughs> it turns Emrakul out Emrakul is, Emrakul is Moth. <laughs> we got I'm it. I'm kind of hoping The it. story writes of- <laughs> itself, everybody. <laughs> I kind of hope it's an Innistrad set. Just poor Innistrad, like always. They deal Raiders, with Eldrazi, Eldrazi. And, then the, and then the Frexians are there next time we visit, no, and they're just like how constantly. Long until it's Yagmoth, MDFC backside is Jingataxius. <laughs> Ooh, man! It's I mean, it probably, yeah, it probably it probably is. Oh, I think it's a sweet card, though. Do you know? Before we go, do you know? Does this stop Planeswalkers from taking up? I know doubling season doesn't because like putting a loyalty counter on it is a cost, but then some people were saying that the way this is worded, it actually would interact with putting loyalty counters, like plusing your planeswalker, your opponent doing it. Do either of you know the definitive answer for that? Or do we got to wait until we get the the rules? It doesn't get the counters, but do you think you're asking if it fizzles the ability? Well, does it fizzle the counters? It it should, right? No. If it's a plus one ability. No. I don't know. Doubling season doesn't double your like if you oh, plus one a planeswalker right. with doubling season out, you don't get two counters. So mm-hmm. I wasn't sure. I I actually don't know. Yeah, no. Yeah, you're gonna have to wait for the rules. Yeah, hmm. I, I I'm not too sure about that either. Oh man. Well, that be that would be strong. <laughs> if it was planeswalker hate, that would be pretty spicy. So, but yeah, that would then just mean that they don't get anything. Well, they come in at yeah. half, and then they can't tick. Right. Yeah, they <laughs> can't tick. That would be hilarious. Up. That would make me much more, even more excited about playing it in other formats if it was actually like, oh, you just can't really use your Planeswalkers anymore. It would be oh, slow man. on flavor, because Kaya is like five loyalty, minus three exile. So I'm like, does Kaya just come in an exile of Morniclex? But no, Kaya comes in at two loyalty and can't uptick. <laughs> Therefore, she has to use her little knives to try to kill Morniclex. <laughs> But you know who can come in? Actually, no, same situation. Tipalt can't do that either. But Nico Aris can come in with like a hundred counters, maybe shards. Tipalt can trick Vorinclex and dump in something else. <laughs> no, no, no. You just play Valky and you take the Vorinclex. See, problem solved. Yep, done. <laughs> all right, I think that's all the time we have. Explosion was super long, but Wizards. As usual, with their pacing, decided to drop us so many goodies. So I think we'll just hold off on fish meal for for next week, uh, and then we'll we'll get everyone's questions with the conclusion of the Caldheim spoilers. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. So get in your questions for next week when hopefully we'll have uh, some more time to answer fish mail. But on that note, I believe that brings us to the end of episode three eleven. Oh, I was I was giving you a chance to say your joke, Krim, of the MTG Goldfish podcast, so 
I'm not so, gonna say the joke. I'm not saying the joke. I'm not saying the joke. Richard Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk more Kaldheim and whatever else goes down in the world of magic. Until then, everyone, have a great week. And this is the crew signing out. Thank you.